Today, uh, our scripture, the first one, you've seen it before, like the last two Sundays, and you're probably thinking, preacher, are you ever going to move on from that one verse? Well, yeah, after next Sunday. We have one more Sunday with it. I want to make sure we get that one really good. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We talked about that last Sunday. Fellowships next Sunday. The breaking of the bread was communion Sunday. And today, they devoted themselves to the prayers. And then I'm reading from Matthew 21, verses 12 through 17. Then Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who were selling and buying in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. He said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he cured them. But when the chief priest and the scribes saw the amazing things that he did and heard the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they became angry and said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you not read out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise for yourself? He left them went out, to the, out of the city to Bethany and spent the night there. This is the word of God for all of us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Have you ever attended a ball game? Maybe it was this past Friday night. And you were highly invested in the game and maybe your child or grandchild or friend was playing in the game and you just got so excited and you leaped to your feet and shouted out. Uh, none of you have ever done that. Okay, sorry. <laughs> well, I, I was thinking about uh, Wayne Black will remember Muhlenberg County days when there was district basketball tournament time. It was tense. There were like seven high schools still, and to win was very important. And I remember one time being in a crowded gym, a small gym, and I was yelling, and I even yelled at the referee. And so, and my daughters and their teachers thought I might get thrown out. Now, I didn't charge the court. I wasn't, I wasn't, but I was not happy about a particular call. But anyway, so I've been... Uh, is vociferous a good word? I guess maybe it is. But I can guarantee you a week from Saturday night, when the UK marching band comes out on the field, I'm going to be up, yay, screaming and hollering and looking for the trombone section of one of our very own, and certainly will be involved in a, in a, a very enthusiastic way. And when there are concerts, um, people at the end, if it's been a really good concert, will leap to their feet and say bravo bravo and certainly I was thinking about Pavarotti I got to hear him sing once in Nashville Rachel and people were very excited uh, in his performance as well well uh, today's passage tells us gives us a glimpse of how emotional and engaged Jesus got at times in his ministry we know how he loved we know how he led we know how he healed and this passage that I read from Matthew tells us how he acted 
at some times. And uh, it kind of raised a lot of eyebrows in that day. Jesus and his followers had gone into Jerusalem. They'd gone to the temple. And when Jesus saw what was happening in the house of the Lord, he did not like it one bit. Now, it was standard for uh, merchants to be there selling sacrifices, uh, but something about that just didn't look right to Jesus. Either he didn't like the spirit in which they were doing it, it, it the scholars, some think that maybe this was an opportune time for some to take advantage of the people and maybe charge them more uh, and make a lot of money off of this. But whatever it was Jesus saw, he did not like it. And there was a flurry, a flurry of activity. And he entered the temple and he was outraged. He was upset. I'll say it. He was angry. <laughs> he was angry. And anger is a, a natural emotion. There's nothing wrong with anger. Now how we act on our anger and what we choose to do with our anger is a, a whole nother matter. But Jesus really was upset with them. Now some, some biblical scholars like to downplay this, that well he wasn't really that upset. I mean he turned over a table or two and said, shoo, now you all get on out of here, you bad boys. But I don't think that's what he did. John's gospel said he made a whip and he drove them out. It, it sounds to me like there was a lot of energy in that. Jesus was quite engaged. It was personal to him as to what was happening in the Lord's house. And he says, my house shall be, my father's house shall be a house of prayer. But you've made it a den of robbers. He evidently he thought they were robbers. They were robbing the people. So the disciples heard him say in, in John's gospel, uh, a phrase from Psalm 69, which says, zeal, zeal for God's house will be my undoing. Zeal for God's house will be my undoing. In other words, Jesus standing up, speaking the truth, saying what he thought they should and shouldn't do, defending God's house, that was going to cause problems, and it did down the road as they grew more and more dissatisfied with him. So, why so much passion? Why was this response of Jesus given? I think first and foremost, Jesus wanted to restore the respect for God's house. Last Sunday, I talked a lot about respecting the Word of God. And as the disciples devoted themselves to reading and studying, they respected it. And today we see this passage that Jesus wanted people to respect the house of the Lord. He was offended for God about what was happening. He felt it was being desecrated because of what they were doing. He sounds a lot like the prophet Jeremiah and the prophet Amos, two of my favorites, as he was lambasting <laughs> 
the people for their wrongdoing. Amos, in his uh, prophecy, as he spoke for God, shared at one point how God said, I despise your festivals. I despise the smell of your sacrifices. What Amos was saying that God knew their heart wasn't pure, and they were just doing this out of, out of uh, repeating a ritual or something, that they really were just offering sacrifices to appease God, not because they really loved God, not because they really thought he was worthy of praise and worship. So Amos uh, pretty much laid down the law there. Thus says the Lord, Amos said, well, it's kind of like this, too, in this passage. Jesus was saying, God's house, God's temple needs to be respected. And we see why he was so passionate about that. I think another thing is that Jesus wanted to restore the reasons, the true reasons for the temple to be there in the first place. The reasons for him to be there in the first place. We remember back when Jesus was 12, and, and uh, we've talked about this recently, and his family lost him, and they went back and found him in the temple. And he said, what are you, why are you disturbed? I, I'm, I'm here about my father's business. I need to be here. And once again, here, 30 years later, 20-something 20 years later, now he's about 30, Jesus arrives at the temple in Jerusalem, and he says, I must be about my father's business. I'm here to restore the reason for why this temple exists. And don't forget the main reasons for that. We know that he was saying, that's where people learned about God, where they studied the word. And then he says, as Matthew and Mark reports, Remember the reason this was built as a house of prayer. And he didn't see anything like that going on in the temple that day. That's why he was so passionate about what he was doing. So Jesus is saying, that's why I'm here. I am here to respect God's house. I am here to be in this house of prayer, and so much, much more for sure. Well, let's explore what this house of prayer really is all about. If those first followers devoted themselves to praying, uh, we know they didn't, uh, didn't always pray in the temple, but they became people of prayer. I, uh, I, I researched this week I guess that's my way of saying I've done my homework. But anyway, I Googled prayer. I Googled prayer on the computer. And this is what it says. Prayer is an act that seeks to activate a rapport with an object of worship through deliberate communication. Okay. And then it went on to say, it's an act directed towards a deity. I wish they just said, it's praying is communicating and connecting with God. <laughs> that's, that's what we know it to be, right? Prayer is an act of connecting with God. Prayer is all about reaching out to God. 
sharing our thoughts with God, sharing our frustrations with God, sharing our joys with God. It's communication with God. Very, very important. I do at least like the definition deliberate communication with the deity. I think they're kind of getting it there. Prayer is a deliberate act of us reaching out to God. And we deliberately do that in worship. Gosh, how many times already have we prayed? And hopefully throughout the week, we will continue to be people of prayer as well. Throughout Scripture, there's many, many references to prayer. Um, look to the Old Testament and the book of Chronicles, and we have the story of Solomon building the temple, that first temple, and the gold lampstands and the elaborate decoration in the temple. Solomon wanted to please God, and God was pleased. In fact, in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, it says that God liked what Solomon had done. And God says, after, after Solomon prayed that first prayer, after about 20 years building this temple, he prayed the prayer and the sacrifices were offered. And then God said, I have chosen this place for myself so that my name will be there forever. God accepted what Solomon had done. And God decided, yes, that will be my house, my house of prayer. Then in the seventh chapter of, of Chronicles, going a little further, a very familiar passage about prayer, where God says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Wow, a whole sermon there, isn't it? Gosh, today, may we keep on hearing that word from the Lord. But then the scripture goes on to say, God says, Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. In other words, God is saying, I will hear you. I am attentive to your prayers. I will listen. Now sometimes we pray to God and we wonder if God's listened, but, but it says here it does. He does. And sometimes we don't get the answers to our prayers as quickly as we like, or maybe not even in the way we like, but we can be confident God hears God listens, God wants us to spell it all out, whatever is inside of us, and pray it out with him. As Jesus did, remember? Jesus was a man of prayer. He went off into the Garden of Gethsemane, and he was so upset and so emotional in another way. Calvary was coming, the cross was coming, and he just prayed, oh God, if it's possible, let this pass from me. The, the emotion overflowing there, God heard Jesus, heard Jesus in his pleas. And, and the Lord God hears us as well. Jesus withdrew from the crowds many times to pray, which shows us that prayer can be not just in this house. Uh, Brother Charlie uh, 
children's time, you know. We can pray here, yes, and anywhere we are or whenever we feel like it or need it, we can pray. And God is with us. Our Lord taught us the beautiful Lord's Prayer that we, like those first disciples, have prayed for almost over 2,000 years now. We've been praying that prayer, and we're going to keep on praying it for sure. Jesus prayed for his disciples in the 17th chapter of John. He didn't just pray for himself, but he prayed for his disciples. He knew that as he was leaving them, they were going to have a rough road. If they were obedient to God, it was going to be tough on them. And so Jesus taught about praying for others. And Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus and the church at Philippi and said, I am praying for you. And in that beautiful prayer passage from Philippians 4, 6, when he says, Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. The Philippians were urged and encouraged to speak to God. Let their request be known. Let their requests be known to God. And so, today we look at this verse again of what those first disciples were all about. They were about breaking bread. They were about studying the teaching and word. And they were devoted to the prayers. And it comes to us in this day and age to affirm and to say and to know that prayer hasn't gone out of style, thank God. It's still around, and this church, I know, believes that. And we must continue to be devoted to prayer. This past week, I'm still trying to get to know folks and their needs, but I went back over the care mail from the last several weeks to look through the prayer list. And that's something you might try. You know, we might pray that week for somebody, but, and then next week or the next week kind of forget about it. But go back over those lists that are distributed and continue to pray for those persons. So today, may we, may we continue to be devoted to the prayer. May we continue to be confident that God does Listen, God does care. God does want us to pray personally and with one another. And God will hear us and will give us strength for the journey. This day and every day, may we be devoted to the prayers. And so, let us pray again. Holy God, thank you for this privilege of prayer. My goodness, here we are, mere human beings reaching out to you, the almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth. And you have opened this pathway for us to speak with you, to share with you, and also to listen to you as we know you listen to us. May we claim the power of prayer and how important, how important it is for us individually and for those around us and for our church 
and for the work of the kingdom. It is in your holy name we pray. Amen.